0: It used to be a long name, trust me. Oh,
1: it it's been modified.
0: Yes, I had to go through a legal process to change my name. My name used to be two lines long in my passport. In southern part of India, a man's first name becomes wife's and his children's last name. Mm-hmm. So it flips. When I came here, it was Raghavan and my wife's uh, last name became Raghavan. My my children's last name was Raghavan. My last name was Chettyar, So it was difficult. So we had to go through the legal system to change it, abbreviate it. My full name was Vijaya Krishnan Raghavan. Before that is Odayapetti Bhatanna Balaguranada Raghavan Vijaya Krishnan Chetiyar. That was my full name.
1: It's fantastic. So, <laughs> w- why didn't you keep that? I mean, come on. That's, I would have been able to pronounce that after about two weeks of training.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, precisely.
1: Now, how long have you been in, in the States?
0: I came in 1985. So, I've been here for about 37 years now.
1: And and where in that timeline does the name change fit in?
0: It was somewhere in mid '90s. We got married, my kids were born, and I said, "Okay, it's becoming uh, convoluted. Every one of us having different last names is not good." <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> what kind of work kept you out of trouble when you first arrived in the states?
0: Well, I come from a business background. I did my bachelor's in finance and uh, MBA in India with uh, in marketing and MIS. Came here to do my second master's, went to Auburn University in Alabama to do my uh, master's in accounting at the econ, and uh, everything was in business. And that's how I came to this country and uh, settled down in California only because my sister was here in uh, California. I was in uh, Alabama. After finishing uh, my uh, degree, I said, sister, help. And uh, I came here. (laughs) Was Alabama
1: your first experience in the States?
0: Yeah, yeah. I came straight from you, India, to uh, Alabama.
1: What was that transition like?
0: You know, when I left India, people used to tell me, oh, you're going deep south in America. You're going to be looked down upon. You're going to be discriminated, all of that. So we came prepared, thinking that we are going to be looked down upon. And I did not experience that, honestly. Auburn is strictly a university town, all students. We had. I had a great time in Auburn. I mean, everybody was friendly, open, for the most part, we were all young, we were partying together, having fun studying and going to school. So I did not experience that kind of discrimination or at all.
1: Could you characterize, is there a major difference between partying in India and partying in the States?
0: When I was in India, partying in India was predominantly just boys. We were in a boys' hostel, we were in a boys' college. There were girls, very few, we were always separated. So when we were saying partying, it, just the boys getting together and uh, jumping around, drinking, having fun. Here, all see... Bollywood videos. <laughs> all boys... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, here, when I came, was the first time we were experiencing all boys and girls and everybody partying together. It was a different experience.
1: And speaking of co ed partying, welcome to episode 248 of the Successfully Funded Podcast, brought to you by Kiwi Tech a growing ecosystem of entrepreneurs, investors, mentors, accelerators, incubators, and corporations. We help early and growth stage startups build viable products, drive traction, raise capital, and scale their businesses. Now, before we go much further, we do have a brief disclaimer to read. Fans of the podcast know by now, this is The Drill. These are the greatest hits. KiwiTech, as you know, is not acting as a broker, dealer, or investment advisor and is not registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission in any such capacities. At no time does KiwiTech provide investment advice, endorsement, analysis, or recommendations with respect to securities. Information contained herein should be viewed for entertainment purposes only. KiwiTech does not verify or assure that information provided by any issuer offering its securities is accurate or complete. Or that the valuation of such securities is appropriate. Investing in securities, particularly in securities issued by startup companies, involves substantial risk, and investors should be able to bear the loss of their entire investment. Now, the full disclaimer is uh, located on our podcast website, which is successfully slash disclaimer. And we're here today talking about zip in mail. Z-I-P-I-N-M-A-I-L, whose mission is to get rid of paper mail and implement a virtual mailbox platform to send and receive mail using a mailing address without email or sharing links. Imagine the idea of creating a global virtual post office. And this idea is the brainchild of founder and CEO Vijay Chetty. Vijay, welcome to the episode. Good to see you.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: And as we were talking about co-ed partying in Alabama, you were getting your feet wet in American culture. And this was back, I guess, 1980 something, a very different time. You've been in America now almost 40 years. How has America changed since you've been here in terms of like what your impressions were when you got here and now that you've lived here as long as you have?
0: Well, quite a few things have changed in 35 to 40 years. Uh, The world has changed, not just America. The awareness of the people, the willingness to uh, integrate people of different colors, different races, different ethnicities, and the technologies have evolved. Uh, openness has evolved and uh, I really think we are in a much better place today Um, but in terms of other things such as speed in which we are communicating and uh, the speed in which things are evolving I think we are continuing to grow at a rapid pace we will continue to grow and the technology will continue to drive that.
1: And this particular technology that you're proposing, you're talking about an entire revolution of the direct mail industry that benefits both those who send mail and those who receive it. You can sort it and you can prioritize it and you can have it at your fingertips in a way that you know a stack of mail on your desk is not as uh, user-friendly, we'll, we'll say that. But as I was researching you, I was thinking a lot about your career. Here you are a three-time CEO. You have definitely this drive to create new things. Where do you think that first entrepreneurial spirit came from? And what was that first moment that you thought this could be a career for you?
0: Well, my entrepreneurial spirit is probably in my DNA. I grew up back in India in a business community. My uh, family and uh, my uncles, aunts, brothers, everybody is a businessman, business owner back in India. My grandfather was the founder of Bangalore Stock Exchange back in India. So I grew up listening to my uncles and aunts and all uh, discussing the stock market uh, way back in 70s and 80s when I was a kid. So that risk-taking and that entrepreneurial uh, has been in my DNA. I always wanted to be a businessman. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Even when I came to this country, everything I studied was in business. I did my uh, bachelor's in India in finance and MBA in uh, marketing, MIS, came to my second master's in accounting, econ. I'm a CPA, CMA. I've been in the entire business background worked for 10 years in public accounting in a large local firm in LA, but I never enjoyed the number crunching. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur waiting for an opportunity to jump out. And after 10 years, I jumped out, became an audit manager to a controller to a CFO and eventually became a CEO of a startup company.
1: And it sounds like basically you've been moving house whenever you run out of wall space for all of your degrees. (laughs) <laughs> it makes it easier to decorate, anyway. I would think, yeah. just because you have all that uh, calligraphy on your wall. You say you were discussing the stock market, assessing companies when you were a kid. Well, the, the whole nature of investing has changed a lot in that time, too. How would you relate your understanding of public companies on a stock exchange, which your grandfather invented or had a big had a, had a very innovative role in? Uh, how would you compare that to what it's like to evaluate startups now?
0: whole lot has changed in the 70s and 80s, pre-internet era, uh, the evaluation of companies, they didn't even have proper information. Even to get a balance sheet, to get a financial statement would take two, three months for these people to send it via physical mail, receive it, evaluate it. So the transition from there to having the information in your fingertips, in your cell phone to look up. Any information you want and make a decision is phenomenal. The volume of transactions have skyrocketed. It's a very distributed network. So completely a different world.
1: Right. And the analysis is uh, is very different in some cases, but also very similar, at least when you analyze a public company that has a revenue record you can look at earnings and you can look at trajectories and you can get a sense of what that multiple should be and what the stock should be valued at. But when a company is pre-revenue or when it's dealing solely on projections of what it thinks it can do based upon its IP and its idea, what do you think comes from the skill set of evaluating established companies that you need to apply to less established companies?
0: In a startup world, since we don't have a revenue, We have to evaluate, break it down into the components. Start with the vision of the company. What exactly is their vision and mission? What is the problem they are trying to solve? Is the solution proposed by that startup company make sense? Is that a powerful, compelling solution? What is the value proposition they are bringing to the table? What is the pain points faced by the customers? What problems are they truly solving? Are the customers willing to pay for the solution proposed by these startup companies? Is there a market? How big is that market? What is the size of that market? What is the competitive landscape? Who else is doing what they are doing? And do they have a team in place? Is the management team capable of executing a vision of the scope, size, and magnitude? And what are the barriers they are faced with in go-to-market strategies? Will the buyers buy the product and what is the valuation so you're looking breaking down the various components of evaluating a startup so completely different strategy and a way to evaluate
1: and when you talk about problem solving there's a real problem that zip and mail is aiming to solve and that's how we're all just drowning in paper mail much of which goes straight from the mailbox to the recycling bin it's a challenge so let's talk about yeah. this 1.6 trillion uh, paper mail markets in terms of the benefits that Zip and Mail hopes to create, both in terms of saving our tree population, which of course keeps us breathing oxygen in the world, but also saving a lot of businesses money by uh, reducing the, the, the cost necessary to send the mail that companies do every day.
0: This is a multifaceted problem with a multifaceted solution. So let's start with the consumers. The problems faced by the consumers in the paper mail, it is a cumbersome process. They have to pick up the paper mail, figure out what to keep, what to trash, and whatever they keep, it it creates clutter in the house, in the living room, in the dining room, in their uh, kitchen tables, and they have to file the paper. They want to keep any permanent documents, any uh, legal or uh, insurance and uh, uh, property-related, they have to take the time to organize it, file it in the file cabinets. If they misplace the bills, they get hit with late fees and penalties. They can't find the coupons and bills when they need it. That whole process is cumbersome, time-consuming, painful. Now, look at the business side of it. They are spending anywhere from $0.30 all the way up to $10, $15 for the paper mail. By the time you add the cost of paper, ink, uh, printing, uh, labor, design, uh, mailing, all of that together starts from 30 cents to a few dollars, depending on what you mail. Is it a catalog? Is it a magazine, etc.? And it takes them anywhere from two weeks to eight weeks to, from the time they decide to do it until the consumer receives it. And they have no clue as to who opened, who read, who took action based on that paper mail. They have no measurement metrics. They're faced with a declining ROI. It's a huge industry. In US alone, we are spending $320 billion for paper mail. Now look look at the nature. We are killing 68 million trees in USA alone and 400 million trees globally for paper mail. And almost all of that is thrown in the trash per year, every year. Man. On top of that, paper industry is the third largest polluters of air, water, and land. Trees absorb the carbon dioxide, absorb the heat, and give us oxygen. And we believe saving those trees over the years will reduce global temperature by one degree per year and over the next 10 years by 10 degrees. That is what we're going after from consumers, from businesses, and the nature-wise. It's a multifaceted problem with a multifaceted solution.
1: Well, it sounds like if it succeeds, it's a win-win-win because, you know, the earth and customers and businesses tend to benefit from it. Has there been any data about what kind of open rates that businesses can expect once they use an electronic delivery system like this?
0: We do not know as of today, because we haven't really brought the product to market yet. But we will have the data. We will know exactly who clicked, who opened, who read, who stayed, how long did they stay and read that email or the zip in mail. So we will have all the data.
1: Now, and here's another question related to that. You talk about data, which is a very fraught topic right now, privacy and Harvesting our data are at the forefront of most consumers' minds right now, given the way in the past that data has been used not just to market to them, but also in some cases now it's being weaponized against people. So, when you talk about preserving data and you talk about the need to attract customers to use this service, because that's the allure when you get businesses to pay their subscription rates to keep this business going, you have to tell them, look at how many people you can reach, and you need to have a strong consumer base as well, who can use it for free. So how's the marketing with them going in terms of trying to appreciate not just the environmental benefit and the organizational benefit, but how do you uh, square that circle with the idea that data is being reviewed with a bit more scrutiny?
0: So to start with, we do not sell or share any consumer data or business data to anyone. We put that in writing. It's in the terms of use and in the privacy policy disclosed in the website, in our platform everywhere. Now, the data, we are not getting any new data from the consumers as well. We are integrating with a company called Melissa, which is one of the largest data companies in the world today. And the the mailing addresses is all in public domain. You can look up any residential, commercial, PO box address, trailer park, mobile home, All those addresses are in public domain from Census Bureau to the city governments to Experian to uh, you name it. So we are only integrating with Melissa to access the existing data pertaining to a mailing address.
1: What's the critical mass in terms of the number of customers you'd like to initially attract? And how do you see your customer base growing to the point where it can keep pace with all the business demand you're surely going to have?
0: Therein lies one of our challenges as a startup company. This is a marketplace solution with the B2B and B2C interdependent platform. Yeah. So we know the businesses will sign up. The value proposition is so compelling for the businesses. Literally, it's a no-brainer for the businesses to sign up as long as we show there are consumers using the platform. Even though it's a chicken or egg situation, <laughs> we still believe the challenge for us is the consumer. How do we get the consumer to sign up? We know the pain faced by the consumers are real and deep. We know we have to educate the consumer about this platform. Consumers have been so used to using physical printed paper mail, and paper has been the mode of communication for centuries. Ever yeah, you have a lot of muscle memory models,
1: to overturn, right? People have to get used to not handling envelopes, which is just something we're just wired to do.
0: Yeah, that is one of our challenges. Changing a consumer behavior is never that easy. So we have to target a small area. Our go-to-market strategy is to pick one geographic area, and we have selected Hermosa Beach and Redondo Beach as our launch areas in Southern California. Uh, Hermosa Beach is a compact community of 10,000 homes there, 20,000 people, one zip code. Beach community, environmentally friendly community, with about uh, sixty-five thousand dollars of average income. So we think it's ideal and suited for our technology. We want to see how many consumers sign up. So we have to. We are marketing to both businesses and consumers simultaneously in that city. If we can prove the value proposition and get even. 10% of the consumers somewhere between 5 to 10% which is 500 to 1000 consumers in hermosa beach within 2 to 2 months and about out of 2000 businesses get about 5 to 10% 100 to 200 businesses to sign up we think that will prove the value to the vcs now they will open up now what is in it for the business the businesses are spending anywhere between $0.30 cents all the way up to $10, 15 per piece of mail, designed print, paper, printing ink, or to trans- sending it uh, via postal system and the shipping cost, all of that combined. In our platform, we reduce that cost to $0.05 cents per transmission, which includes the data for them to find their audience, select their audience based on all the demographics, such as uh, zip code, age, income, uh, marital status, their education, single family, owner-occupied, year-built. They can look at all kinds of demographics to find their audience. So they can select their audience and design a template, put in their logo, the coupons, images, text, whatever they want, and blast it to their audience in literally less than five minutes. And they can measure the results of their campaign They will know exactly who clicked, who read, who opened, all that measurement metrics. That campaigns dashboard is not live as of today. We are building it. We should have that uh, going within the next two to three months. All of that together, we're giving it to them for five cents per transmission. So when we say we will save 90% of the cost of paper mail, This is not just a made up number. This is not just a claim, we will prove it. And I can tell you, I've been a CEO for 20 years in my life. I've seen so many technologies. I have never seen a technology that can truly prove a cost savings of 90% compared to the current, whatever disruption they're bringing in or whatever new technology they're bringing in. And that is one thing is very powerful in what we're bringing to the table. Consumers are signing up, businesses are signing up, we are generating revenues, and this is the critical juncture for our company. Once we prove that, we are so confident that VCs will be very excited, very interested in investing money, big money in our company.
1: I would imagine a lot of the effort in order to get consumers to join is to really make sure they know exactly what they're doing and show them how to do it. Because I know when you first come in contact with Zip and Mail your first thought is to conflate it with email and wonder what the difference is. And I think that's a, an ongoing conversation that you're going to have because you want to establish that this is associated with your address. There's co- something comfortable about having a paper copy of something, at least as a way of, you know, a paper trail. So now when you look at that level of, of marketing, I mean, what kind of strategies do you have in mind? Are you going to events? I mean, it's nice to see we can gather again To what extent can you explain Zip and Mail uh, hands-on?
0: Let's talk about the difference between email and Zip and Mail. An email is for an individual. Zip and Mail is for a mailing address. An email, an individual can have any number of email addresses, and they can add, change, or delete an email address at any time for any reason. But more importantly, businesses have no demographic data about an individual based on their email address. They don't even know your real name, age, income, where you live. None of that information is available based on your email address. Even if you give an email address to a retailer when you're shopping somewhere, they can link it to your address. That's a disparate platform. Everybody has their own information. There is no conclusive evidence of your real address based on your email address. Now compare that to Zip in Mail. We have created just one permanent zip-in mail for every mailing address, whether it's residential, commercial, PO box, mobile, park home for every address. But everybody who lives or works within that mailing address have their own individual unique virtual mailbox that is linked to the mailing address or the mailbox in the cloud for that mailing address. So what does that mean? Whatever is mailed to you with your address and your name is routed to your individual virtual mailbox. Whatever is sent to your wife, your children, or other employees in that same mailing address is routed to their individual virtual mailbox. So it is personal, it's secure. No one else can view the contents of what you have or access it just like an email, it's personal and secure. Now, if you move, we just de-link your individual virtual mailbox from your old address and link it to your new address nothing changes and even if you move from point a to b to c to d even 10 years later you never have to worry about missing your old mail sent to any old addresses it's automatically routed to your current virtual mailbox wherever you are that's one added advantage of a virtual mailbox platform now, the address for your virtual mailbox is the same as your mailing address, so you're not giving to anybody, you don't have to tell people, it's already there, businesses can look up, and all the demographic data that is currently available for a mailing address is used by the businesses to target their audience. So. The businesses don't have to worry; they can use the same legacy database we have integrated with Melissa, and that's a major advantage for the businesses to not only find their audience, target their audience at a ninety percent of cost savings. What I tell consumers is, compare Zip in Mail to your paper mail. We are not trying to compete with email; we are not trying to replace email. Our vision: we are going after paper mail. Compare zip in mail to the process what you go through in handling your paper mail. Compare that to having all your accessing all your mailboxes in your cell phone in one account. You can have your primary home, your secondary home, your uh, business accounts, you can have uh, rental properties. you can have property in India, in China, wherever you have your' accessing all your mailboxes under one account in your cell phone. So that message, we have to educate the consumers. There is definitely a certain amount of marketing involved in getting that message to the consumers. So how do we do that? The, what we are contemplating at this time, we initially, we have to have events. We have to have booths. We have tables. Sit down, talk to the consumer as they walk by, give them incentives. Say, hey, here, I'll give you $10 gift certificate, download the app, use it. Initially, we have to give incentive to consumer, take the time to educate them. We have our website, our PR campaigns. We will do variety of campaigns until we can afford to get into mass media channels. If and when we are successful, you will hear, you will see zip in mail in all the mass media channels. So that's what about um,
1: what about the uh, content creation for uh, online education? I mean, if you create a bunch of instructional videos, that kind of thing, you do it once and it can live forever. And it's very portable. How cost effective would that be?
0: It will be very effective um, online like what we're doing now in podcasts to uh, different kinds of videos tutorials educational materials getting through social media campaigns Um, when, when you're dealing with consumers we have to do all aspects of marketing getting to a consumer reaching a consumer educating a consumer today is an extremely challenging task. There is no easy way to reach a consumer. They're bombarded with advertising all around them all day long. So as long as the consumer realizes, understands what we're bringing to the table and the value proposition is so compelling, so convenient, so easy to use, saves them time and money, and it's free, we believe consumers will sign up.
1: So now you're not Uh, You're no stranger to the CEO position. As you mentioned, this is your third go-around in the big chair. What were the two previous companies of which you were CEO?
0: The first company I became a CEO was a company called ScanApps. I was uh, a CFO of a company called Destiny Marketing Group. At that time, an inventor came to us with an idea. Hey, I have a little key fob handheld scanning device to scan the barcodes from any printed coupon, capture it, and we can dock it at a point of sale system in a supermarket and redeem the coupon electronically. So we don't need. So the consumer doesn't have to carry the paper coupon to the store for redemption. Yeah, adoption. people
1: but, really make us work hard to redeem coupons, and I uh, don't please. guess that that's by accident. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was the original vision. We, we came up with that way back in 1998. And I loved the idea. I've always been a nature lover. I always hated paper. And uh, this was my first foray into reducing paper. I started uh, was working on it for two years and uh, the whole board of directors saw that I was so passionate about it. And it was not my original idea. I was promoted to be the CEO of the company. And when I took charge of the company, the company had hundred dollars in the bank. And I said, I'll go raise the money. (laughs) What a great opportunity
1: for me, said (laughs) DJ.
0: You're promoting me. Uh, Here it is. Yeah, go build it. You're in charge of this
1: virtually insolvent company. Best of luck to you. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, that's how it happened. And uh, then I went out. It took me eight years. We raised ten million dollars for that venture, and uh, unfortunately, we could not bring it to market. We couldn't sustain it. We went out of business during the financial crisis, and we were close. We were uh, launched launched in eight supermarkets. But anyway, that's history. And that was my first foray. Within that, we pivoted from being a handheld scanning device. And um, the technology became integrated into a cell phone, people could scan barcodes in a cell phone. So we said a standalone scanner is not going to work. And I literally had to fight with my shareholders and say we have to junk it. We have to modify our technology from a hardware to a software company. And uh, we did that. As a CEO of a company, we will learn as we go along, certain things will work, certain things may not work. What we think is going to work, if it doesn't, we have to be prepared to pivot and move and change our path based on the income data. And uh, that's one of the key ingredients to be a successful CEO in my mind.
1: Now comes zip and mail. How long had this idea been creeping around in your brain pan there. It sounds like this is a long simmering idea that finally the time came to try and bring it to market. When you first had the idea to try and create something like Zip and Mail, what fueled your passion for it and how long has it been in development to kind of become something that you can look toward raising money for now?
0: Being in the space for 20 years, as I mentioned to you, in the space to reduce consumption of paper, in the form of uh, paper coupons and electronic uh, redemptions and so on. And after that, I was in a direct mail space, not just direct mail, we we were an ad agency and uh, we had direct mail as one of the products. We were selling to businesses and and, and I learned how painful that entire direct mail space is for the business and for the consumers. I, and I always hated paper, love nature, and one fine day, it so happened, it was on February 9th, 2021, it's coincidentally, it was my wife's birthday, I was picking up the mail.
1: Don't say it's a coincidence, ah. just say it was planned that way, to honor your wife.
0: <laughs> I tell her, she doesn't believe me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, at least you got to go down in flames just defending that story, whether or not yeah. it's true.
0: It is absolutely true, on that day, yeah. <laughs> So I picked up the mail. I was standing in front of the mailbox and suddenly it hit me. It was like a eureka moment. It was a light bulb went on in my head and said, why can't we take this physical mailbox to the cloud? And I got goosebumps that day. I literally stood there in front of the mailbox for three, four minutes, looking, staring at it, visualizing it. I said, this is it. From that day, immediately came back home. Had a cup of coffee, sat down, and said, "Okay." Started researching. And your wife saw you with
1: goosebumps and thought, "I had no (laughs) idea you took my birthday so seriously."
0: (laughs) Yep, I told her honey, I love her so much. It was, uh... (laughs) and it's true. I do love her very much. So we have been married for thirty years. Um,
1: Oh, congratulations! That's terrific.
0: uh, Thank you. So from that, that was the day. And from that day, I never looked back. And I've been researching. I've been, I have invested 500 and almost 600,000 now to date. And uh, we are currently raising capital through StartEngine. We are in a crowdfunding platform. We are going for the regulation CF 5 million offering. We have built the product. The process was not easy. The main complexity stemmed. It took us six months to figure it out. I have brilliant engineers back in India. We have about 20 engineers working on this the reason why it was complicated today everything in the worldwide web the transmission of data happens based on an ip address a url a domain name and sharing of links between from a google drive to a dropbox you're granting permission to someone else to access your files compare that to an open end-to-end virtual mailbox platform to send and receive mail using a mailing address. What does that mean? In a mailing address, you have multiple lines. First name, middle name, last name, surname, street number, street address, apartment, unit, suite number, community name, community information, city, state, zip code, country. We had to create a whole mechanism to transmit that data from one virtual mailbox that's associated with one mailing address to another virtual mailbox, Please. open without permission, <laughs> without anybody's, you it's open. Anybody can send it. They don't need to grant you permission and send it. That whole process took us a while. And that is the core of our patent. That's what we have filed as our global patent. And um, it's a pending patent. Plus, we have added a lot of system configurations uh, in terms of uh, for uh, residential, individual, commercial, granting permissions, access, registration controls. We had to make sure someone can't claim your residential address from uh, Russia or uh, China or somewhere to hack into your system. So we had to protect that. So there had, we had to have backend controls to ensure that uh, the information your mailbox is secure, is personal, no one else can access it, but security, into to end encrypted data, uh, we are using AWS uh, for uh, all our uh, infrastructure. That entire process took us a while to build it. So it's built as a designed as a scalable, modular design. Um, so we are very proud of our uh, team that have built this whole thing.
1: It's an amazing project to understand and to contemplate in terms of the scale. And I'm also thinking, you know, as someone who will go away for two weeks and hold my mail and come home to this very intimidating crate of paper, I mean, this strikes me as something that would definitely, I would definitely profit from alleviating that shock value of having a ton of mail just dumped on your doorstep the day you get back. The other issue is you're going to take business away from the postal service. You have uh, competitors who are, very financially vested in the status quo, how do you anticipate fending off any attempt by them to restrict or otherwise uh, hold back your efforts?
0: So for the consumers, one of the key challenges, and people have asked me this repeatedly, at a big picture, big scale, everything looks good. Vision is great. Idea is great. Saving the tree, saving the planet, save all that the vision is fantastic. We get it. Now, Truly, at the end of the day, what's in it for me as a consumer? Do I really want to sign up for a junk mail platform? Am I going to get more junk mail? So I educate the consumers by saying, yes, my initial target market is to going after the businesses that are doing a lot of direct mail. That is the vast majority. Ninety plus percent of what you get in your mailbox today is marketing coupons. Right now, an average consumer receives 36 pieces of mail per week. A month from now, we may see 35 and 32 and 28 and 24, and it's going to decline over a period of time. It's not an instant gratification the day you sign up that paper mail goes away. After about 12 months or so is when you're going to start seeing the relevant pieces of mail that a consumer cares about, bills documents, legal papers, so property documents, IRS, DMV, whatever that really matters to most consumers. The relevant mail, once that comes into your virtual mailbox, which we contemplate around 12 to 18 months from now, that all that we organize it for them within the virtual mailbox platform and store it permanently. They don't need to print it. They don't need to store it in a file cabinet. It becomes permanent secure storage of all their permanent documents within their virtual mailbox. Then we see the critical mass will see a tremendous value in what we're bringing to the table. And number two, what we have done, we've built something called a type column. When they send something in a mass zip-in mail, they have to identify the type of mail they are sending. Is it a bill? Is it a coupon? Is it a marketing mail? What are they sending? So the consumer can determine, hey, I don't want to receive coupons. I don't want to receive certain types of mail. They can also block by individual sender and say, I don't want coupons from Ralph's or WANs or whatever they don't want. They can block it by the individual oh, sender. Okay.
1: So you do have a lot of control at the ready in terms of just deciding what you see and what you
0: don't. And that blocking feature is not there yet. We will be, we are building it. We should have it before the end of this year. So there are several features that we are adding on because we are a startup company. We can't have all of them at at the day of launch. And we have also built something called a coupon management where the businesses that want to give a coupon, they upload that coupon directly by zip code into your virtual mailbox and that's not inundating your inbox. If you're interested in a coupon, you go to offers and coupon section, click on it and see all the coupons given to you by the businesses. So it is not intrusive, it is within your mailbox platform. We are also building something called a cash rewards program. We are the first company to build that. What the businesses can send millions of zip in mail absolutely free. And when they click on it, the consumer gets 25 cents, 50 cents, or a dollar, just given by the business as an incentive for the consumer to click and read that zip-in mail. And we charge them a fee per click. It's like a pay-per-click program, but just within zip-in mail for click per zip-in mail. And when the consumer accumulates, let's say, a $20 is what we have set as of today that can change, we will send that money to the consumer via Venmo, Zelle, or PayPal. So it's a real cash received by the consumer. They earn money just for clicking zip in mail and reading the mail sent to them by the business.
1: So you see this is gonna have you're gonna have this money to pay consumers from the subscriptions that you're gonna get from businesses.
0: Not subscription, we're charging the business a fee for it. If the okay. business is sending you and they up saying I'm going to give 25 cents to a consumer for clicking and reading my zip in mail, we will charge them 25 plus 25 as our click fee and collect 50 cents from the business, there pay you 25 go. cents to the consumer, and we will retain the t- 25 cents. And that fee per click, we will monitor and see what is going to be a reasonable fee. Right now, we are proposing double the money. We don't know the number, but in future, we will know data driven. Uh, we will make that change. Now, the question you asked about the competition. US yeah, postal with the UPS. Service.
1: I mean, if you're essentially dissolving 90% of the post office's business, what happens at the post office?
0: So U.S. Postal System today is, if they are a privately held organization, they're a quasi government company, they will be the fifth largest company in United States today. That's $77 billion of revenue in 2021. And... Now, the global postal system, just postal revenue, is $520 billion. It's a huge industry. Now, for the postal system, U.S. postal system has been trying to digitize the postal system for the past 25 years, since mid-'90s. To the best of our knowledge, they have spent over $100 million trying to digitize it in conjunction with the European Union. And they have not been able to come up with a viable solution. And we are the first company to come up with a complete end-to-end virtual mailbox platform that does not exist. So we believe USPS will be very interested in a strategic partnership or an acquisition. There you go. We don't know the answer. So right now, we are way below the radar. We are not even in market. We have built it. We're just getting ready to do our marketing campaign within the next Week or two. We're just raising capital. As a matter of fact, right after this podcast, I have three interviews lined up. I'm hiring uh, sales reps. So, will the USPS be interested in us? I believe so, but we have to show that we are in the market. Once we are below the radar, once they catch attention of what we are doing, then we will initiate the discussions. If USPS endorses us or have some form of a strategic alliance with them, I sincerely believe we will really take off.
1: Yeah, there's your customer infusion right there. I mean, everybody knows the postal system, and it's been a rocky road the past few years. But yeah, you could kind of steady that relationship. It's hard not to think how quickly this could take hold as the new standard thing, especially since you're first to market.
0: Absolutely. And uh, there's no one else there. We have the global patent to protect it. But obviously, as we all know, patent can only protect us so much. So first to market will become a huge advantage in this space. There are few other companies doing something on a so-called virtual mailbox platform. There are companies like iPostal One, Anytime Mailbox, or Class Mail, Exila Technologies, and there are about a dozen companies. They are service providers in the middle. Whatever paper mail is sent by the sender to a street or a PO box address, that piece of paper mail is forwarded to the service provider. And the service provider, step one, they take a picture of the envelope of the mail, send it to the user, gains their permission, and once they give the permission, they open it, scan the relevant documents, upload the documents to a virtual mailbox accessible by the end user. And they charge a fee of anywhere from $7 all the way up to a few hundred dollars per month based on the number of documents scanned and the level of service. Compare that to our Virtual mailbox platform. The sender doesn't have to print anything. The paper is not eliminated in theirs. In ours, they don't need to print. There's no paper. It's sent directly from the sender to the recipient through the virtual end to end transmission. And whatever the sender is sending under Compose Zip In Mail is absolutely free for the business and for the consumer. Only when the business is sending under mass zip in mail to thousands of homes, we charge them five cents per transmission. So when there is a free transmission platform one-to-one and these companies are charging few hundred dollars, I am confident vast majority of those people will transition to a zip and mail. And Today, there are approximately a little over a million consumers have signed up for this virtual mailbox platform. So we believe those will be our low-hanging fruit once we launch and expand. We have a very good opportunity in capturing them and having them sign up with Mail.
1: Now, when you think about all of these things you have in the works, all that's planned that you're going to use with this fundraise and revenue sources that you're planning that will go with them, what kind of assurance do you feel in terms of where your revenue can go in the next 24 months?
0: In a platform of our scope, size, and magnitude of what we are uh, going after uh, with a uh, $1.6 trillion global industry, there is tremendous opportunity for growth. Our projections currently, we are projecting about $590,000 of revenue in year one, $9.5 in year two, and $45 million in year three. That's and a nice multiple. It's a huge growth. And- I am a CPA by profession, and I put on my conservative hat and we built it based on a bottoms up approach. I looked at how businesses can once sell. Sales- month two, month three, month four. And if I hire four salespeople, I believe only one out of four will stay because it's a high turnover field. So we used all of those kinds of bottoms up numbers in projecting and building our revenue model and how much revenue will I get from one business, from local businesses, we broke it down in terms of how many businesses are there. There are 31.7 million businesses in the country. 29 or 30 million of them are local small, medium businesses, only 1.8 million are large businesses. So we broke it down based on the size of the business, what kind of revenue we project from each one of those businesses. When will they adopt a mass mail? When will they use coupons? Who uses coupons? How many of them use direct mail? We have detailed spreadsheets breaking these down. But at the end of the day, any projection is using a variety of assumptions at this point i feel confident if and when we reach this 5 million fundraising we will achieve these targets i would rather under promise and over deliver to my shareholders and to my uh, community than just picking up big numbers and that's how i have always been and uh, highly dependent on funding if we generate reasonable amount of capital i'm confident we will achieve these targets
1: well, and that's a CPA for you. Absolutely. I think you don't tend to overpromise when you know your that you're, so much of your training is based on bottom line accounting. So if people want to learn more about Zip in Mail, where can we go to check out your funding page or details about the product and anything else you'd like our listeners to know about?
0: They can go to uh, our website to start there. Um... The pinmail.com and uh, browse through our videos, we'll look at our individual pages, our investor page, our business page, take a look. That'll give you a good information about our vision, our mission, our technology, our value proposition, what we're bringing to the table, our pricing plans, subscription models, all of it. In terms of uh, our fundraising initiatives, uh, we are right now live on StartEngine. So people can go to uh, startengine.com slash zipinmail, watch our video, watch our uh, information, read the page if you like it. It's uh, investing in uh, zipinmail. It's a simple process. You can click on invest now and uh, minimum investment is $300. It's open to public. It's crowdfunding. Anybody can invest and uh, it will take you less than five minutes literally to go through that investment. And this is what I tell all my friends, my family, we have been going through the fundraising process. I've told everybody, yes, we are a startup, we are an early stage, we are pre-revenue, but the potential and the opportunity for zip and mail is humongous. And we sincerely believe that. The reason for that is think of this direct mail has been the mode of communication for centuries. And it is a $1.6 trillion industry today. And I'm from India, I can compare that to India's GDP, the fourth largest economy in the world is 2 trillion. That's 80% of India's GDP. So I tell people, look, you're not talking about a small market cap here, market opportunity here. It's a huge market opportunity. Plus, we have so many more products in the pipeline. Whatever we are building now, we're also having digital PO box, digital notary, digital currency, digital mail-in ballots. We are building a whole pipeline of products. We are visualizing this as take whatever is the post office was offering, old post office was money orders. Think of that digital currency in the future. So what they have a PO box, think of digital PO box, certified mail, we can implement a certified mail with digital signatures right there on the virtual mailbox. We are building all of that. So we think the number of revenue streams are huge. And that is why I'm confident we will be, if and when we succeed, we have a huge market opportunity.
1: It's great to hear, you know, discussions about what can be from someone who. I could probably describe him essentially as a living, breathing, walking, talking issue of The Economist magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've been talking to Vijay Chetty, CEO and founder of Zip In Mail, which of course he invented on his wife's birthday. Don't forget that. It's been a pleasure to talk to you about this whole potential revolution in how we receive our mail and how we can eliminate um, or at least control. A portion of our lives that could be a bit less of a nuisance than it is and so uh, and save the planet in the in in the meantime so i appreciate you coming on to talk about it
0: thank you so much doug i appreciate it it was a pleasure nice talking to you
1: please check out all the information we'll have in the show notes about zip and mail i've been your host doug french and we will be back next time with another discussion about how to save the world and make a little money along the way so thanks again we'll see you next week bye-bye